allowing your personality to come out a little bit as well. If you try to be someone else's style of CEO or anything in life, you will probably fail. Um, it has to become natural. And we all know that, you know, in times of pressure, and there are for CEOs and MDs, there are times of pressure, you will revert back to your personality type. So if people aren't used to seeing you like that and you're not used to working like that, it'll all feel a bit odd and pressurised. From Positive Momentum, this is Meet the CEO, a show that takes you behind the scenes of the working lives of people who've reached what some might call the pinnacle of the career ladder. I'm Matt Crabtree, the founder of Positive Momentum, and on today's show, we meet Ryan Shannon, the managing director of bamboo clothing company, BAM. Having spent 25 years working for and owning marketing agencies, in 2019, Ryan joined BAM to take over the day-to-day -day running of the business from the founder, David Gordon. Already a great success story in the last couple of years, BAM's grown even faster and is on track to exceed 20 million in sales. And all of this direct to consumer via e-commerce. Now, in case you haven't heard of them, bamboo-clothing.co.uk, by the way, I'm not on commission. BAM offer an amazing range of sustainable clothing, from hoodies to yoga pants and jeans to socks, all made with bamboo, a remarkably soft material that when it's growing, absorbs five times more carbon than hardwood trees. Not only that, it needs half the land that cotton does, and incredibly, doesn't need irrigation or pesticides. But whilst they've always had the environment at their heart, BAM also recognise that the clothing industry is one of the worst for pollution, and so BAM have set themselves the goal of becoming impact positive. By 2030, they'll have a zero carbon footprint. Not just that, but at every stage of their supply chain, they're going to ensure that everyone is paid fairly and, of course, treated with dignity. They've set goals for zero waste to landfill, zero pollution and zero wasted water. And these goals apply to every stage, from growing, through manufacture and even the subsequent recycling of their clothes. It's bold. It's carefully considered, and it's now in the capable hands of Ryan as the CEO to execute. I started out, as we always do on Meet the CEO, by asking Ryan why he became a CEO. Yeah, it's a good question. And actually, you asking me, it probably made me think about it for the first time, really. I would like to say, you know, I was born into it and it was always going to happen, but I don't, I'm not sure that that is, that is true. <laughs> I think it's become a logical progression, really. I mean, I've, I've always been very interested in business how it works even as a you know not a child maybe but in my teens always intrigued as to what made businesses work and how they succeeded and 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 followed that through to do a business studies degree which sort of you know gave me a thorough grounding in in in, in business and i've also had sort of a bit of an entrepreneurial sort of part to my nature as well um not that all ceos have to be entrepreneurial by nature but you know i think that's my path i started my own agency built that into a business sold that on um and then when it came to what i was going to do next moving to brand side was something that interested me and sort of if i was going to do that being ceo md you know running the whole business was sort of the logical next step um you never stop learning so wanted to keep outside my comfort zone a little bit, but also do something that would challenge me and, and, and give me an interesting role and one where I could really make a, make a difference to an entire business. I think that's 
that's how I've ended up here. Yeah, reading your LinkedIn profile, it sounds like it was a real sort of itch you wanted to scratch to to move. You know, you say you say it on your profile, you know, move client side. Yeah, and, and do that it sounds like something you really wanted to have a bash at. Yeah, I think you know if. I loved agency life. I loved, you know, working with lots of different brands, lots of different businesses, learned a huge amount and and built some really strong relationships over the years that I was in that world. But you are only ever a sort of a trusted advisor. You don't necessarily have the ultimate uh, say so. And if I look back of, of any regrets in that time, it was that there were some fantastic strategies and ideas that that never saw the light of day because we just couldn't get everybody within a client moving in that direction. And so that's probably the sort of the, the, the scratch a little bit to say, you know, well, if I can get myself into a position where I can, I can make those things happen, that would be great. But also, you know, test myself a little bit as well and say, well, you know, are some of those ideas. Now you haven't got the excuse of uh, the client not buying into them. <laughs> are they as brilliant as you thought they were originally? So uh, yeah, that, that, that's good. Well, talking of ideas and strategy, here, here you are at BAM with a fast growing direct to consumer business. I imagine your days are, uh, are never quite the same um, and, uh, and a lot of the time not your own. What part of your day, Ryan, is really important to you? Do you have things in your day that are almost sacrosanct in terms of how you operate? I try to reserve 15 minutes at the beginning and the end of each day. Now, that may be at different times. It may be while I'm traveling, while I'm driving, but where I sort of focus on what I'm going to do that next day. So sort of a little bit of a, not a things to do list, though some, that can be part of it some days, but just have a real sort of 15 minutes where there's no one else talking to you. There's no one else. And just think, right, this is what my plan for the day is. How am I going to approach that? How am I going to weave that in? And then likewise, at the end of the day, probably a 10, 15 minute, just in my own head, not always writing things down necessarily go, right. What did I do? What things interrupted me? Cause you do get interrupted. What does that mean? I've got to carry over to the next day. And is there anything I sort of, you know, really need to sort of think about and react to differently or, or, you know, something else come onto my, my, my list of priorities. And so it's just trying to make sure that you just don't stop the day dead or start the day cold and try and just warm yourself up. And it can mean doing something, you know, in your own mind over breakfast or whatever. It's not necessarily sat in front of a laptop or, or writing notes. As I say, it's just those little 15 minutes to try and just get your own head straight. And also at the end of the day, I think what's quite good is to then close that day down and not, you know, we all think of things in our off time. Of course we do when we're doing other stuff, but it's quite a nice sort of closure to the day to say, right, I've had that review. I sort of I'm squaring my head what I'm going to do tomorrow. Now I can move on to to not being running a business on you know back to being a dad or a partner or whatever else. I really relate to that. It's, it's I almost think of it like a bookend bookends to the day, isn't it? That you you start the day with at least a sense of having the decks cleared and you're clear what you want to get done. But that bit at the end of the day, it's a real pandemic thing, isn't it? Which is mm. you know we, we're not commuting perhaps as much although perhaps some of us getting back to it now but not as much as we were and you've got to have that space otherwise as you say it bleeds into the evening doesn't it you yeah. you end up then kind of not quite being as present as you might like to be probably not possible every single day but it's a pretty good discipline to try and meet up to it's uh, no it's and it, yeah again it's like a lot of things if it doesn't happen for whatever reason you know then i don't berate myself for it but if that was an ideal day and something I do try and consciously think, right, let's just take 10 minutes, just 
to do that because it will set yourself up for the day or it'll it'll you know close the day off nicely good for you really like that um let's talk about challenges obviously we've all just lived through you know a challenge we could never have even imagined even though a few scientists will now remind us that they did warn us but um uh, it's been a hell of a challenging period but i know you've been bam what two and a half years a bit more now is that right uh yeah it would have been uh, April 2019, so just yeah, around two and a half years. So during that time, either in, you can cite the pandemic if you wish, or something else. What's been the most challenging event or events that you've you've encountered, and and what have you what have you got out of it as a CEO? Yeah, I think I mean it's difficult to ignore the pandemic in that time scale if you think it sort of happened only ten months into my sort of tenure, really. So. It was challenging in two respects, really, in that I'd come in and I'd spent the first sort of 10 months getting to know the business. Um, it just so happened our financial year starts in February. So I'd sort of, and because of the long-term nature of things like supply chains, you know, there was very little I could do to influence that first sort of 12 months, really, because decisions had been set before me, me joining. So I'd really, in my mind, sort of set myself right, you know, gives me the luxury, if you like, of, uh, you know, the business was successful. It wasn't like I was coming in to fix stuff. So I was able to say, right, I'm going to take 10 months to really get to know the parts of the business that I don't understand so well. So the marketing side, fine, but the rest of it, and really start to plan for some of the changes that I knew I was going to want to make coming into the business. And I felt like I was really well set up to then sort of from, from February 2020, really start to, to deliver on some of those uh, initiatives less than a month you know six weeks later um the world had changed and and that that was a challenge in that to a certain extent bam is quite a simple business model we're purely direct to consumer we manage our own uh, fulfillment you know we have very strong supply but a relatively small supply chain to manage so once we got over that initial shock that everyone went through realized we were going to be able to stay open and functioning and you know in fact we're being encouraged to do so by the government as a, as a direct consumer business uh, it was then a case of right okay let's look at what the plan was which bits are still relevant which bits are going to and, and what are the new things we're going to have to cope with and that was a challenge and especially in those early days when the pace of things was moving so quickly there were so many changes and no one really, it wasn't like you have places you could go and go, well, you know, we've done something like this before, we can roll this out. Everything was new, everything was different. But, you know, having a team around me that, that, that helped step up as well, you know, significant changes to the way we worked. I think that's that, if you say sort of, what have I learned from it? It was that much more open sort of communication Um in terms of the key people within the business and then disseminating that across the business was not just worried about what was happening in their area, but making sure they understood how all of it joined together. And, and some of that has stayed. We, we, you know, we, we put together, a, or I put together my sort of senior management team. We had a call every Monday at nine o'clock. Obviously, we spoke throughout the week, but that was the call where everyone attended. And, you know, we just shared what the plans were, where we were going to go for the week, what had happened the previous week, just to make sure everyone was aware of everybody else's pressures and priorities. And we've kept that, you know, that 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 will probably stay now for, for good. And it's been a really invaluable um, tool, really. So the flexibility, I think, that we, we built into the business during that time is something that will stay with us. And also the level of communication will, will stay with us as well. 
and once you know everybody got over the initial shock i think the business has done pretty well during the pandemic right i certainly put in a few orders for pairs of socks and things i'm wearing my bam proudly wearing my bam socks as we record <laughs> i'm wearing other things as well for our <laughs> listeners but um, i also have my bam socks on but yeah business has done well that's good to hear yeah um yes it did do i mean uh, um we were in that direct consumer space so you know a lot of businesses had problems with stock at you know retail outlets and things all of our stock was in one place we had established direct consumer channels which all remained open for us you know bamboo clothing is the type of clothing that people needed to wear when either we're working from home or actually you know one thing we've seen a, a trend that went through the pandemic was people taking a bit more responsibility for their own health and well-being and fitness so if you make active wear um you know the, that was the sort of things that everybody wanted so for us commercially it was it was a good period um, but I also think the business learned a lot from that as well, which is which will carry us in good stead as we now go back into whatever uncertain economic and commercial terms the next 12 to 18 months hold for us. Never boring running a business. There's always something else, but exactly. uh, please not another pandemic. That would no, uh, no. That, that's a hopefully <laughs> once in a lifetime thing for all of us. Um, talking of learning, uh, Ryan, who's most influenced the way you lead? You know, you said at the top of the program, you've had lots of experience with your own agency, now running uh, this fantastic business. Are there people in your in your background, or maybe even in your present, who've most influenced the way you lead as a CEO? Yeah, I mean, I've worked under and with alongside you know, a lot of senior people, both you know, client side and I don't think there's necessarily one individual. I've certainly learned different things from different styles of management. I mean, one of the things you can you you get the benefits of working on the agency side is you get to work with a lot of different businesses, different sectors, different sizes, you know, from international conglomerates down to you know entrepreneurial one one man band almost. I've certainly picked up you know, skills and, and approaches to things. Um, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, for me, it's about allowing your personality to come out a little bit as well. If you try to be someone else's style of CEO or anything in life, you will probably fail. Um, it has to become natural. And we all know that, you know, times of pressure, and there are for CEOs and MDs, there are times of pressure, you will revert back to your personality type. So if you're not, if people aren't used to seeing you like that and you're not used to working like that, it'll all feel a bit odd and pressurised. Um, so I'm not sure there's one individual. I think I'm a keen sports fan and I do look at the sports world and sort of take some principles from that. And then, the, you know, building team sport, you, you have skilled individuals, but, you know, my job as a CEO is to, is to mould them into a functioning team, if you like, not, not suppressing people's individual skills and, and desires and passion and expertise, but also making sure they function as a team, but also accepting that, you know, in any team, in any business, there will be some losses and some failures and some downturn in performance. And the, you know, the key to me is not to beat everybody up and myself up too much that those happen, but to make sure you learn from them and, and, and become better because of it. Um, but likewise, make sure you, you know, you, you celebrate the successes and learn from those as well and think, well, what, you know, if that went wrong, why did that go wrong? And if this has gone right, why did that go right? And what did we do differently? And how did we do less of one and more of the other? And so I think I take a lot from that sort of world of sport. I read probably more sports management autobiographies than I do business autobiographies, but some of that's interest. It's not necessarily about self-learning. It's more about, I find the stories behind the the individuals and the, and the, the businesses that, or the sports that they're in. Very give, us interesting. Your, give us your top recommendations. What's the, what's the best sports management books you've read? Um, so the one probably that I ref not refer back to is, and I reread it was Clive Woodward's book after he won the world cup. 
and it's probably on your shelf there somewhere. I can see you looking. It is. Um, it's here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, that was, I mean, obviously it was off the back of a huge success at major first, but then when you actually read into the forensic detail that he looked at small, you know, what, what were quite insignificant parts you'd have thought of a sport that's played on a field, the back, you know, getting that back office, the environment, right. The culture, right. Was what translated and i think i've sort of taken that i guess you know i'm a great numbers man i love looking at numbers of running a business but also you know looking at the softer side of how do you get the best out of people is, is also quite important yeah, very good very good now let, let's talk a bit more about team you've you've mentioned probably the words you've used the most in our conversation so far so let's let's talk about effective executive teams i mean obviously i think bam is 15 years old this year or yes, celebrating right. yeah. 15 years and david founded the business it's a great profile of david and his influence so the business has been run in different ways over the years obviously talk to us about the executive team you've got in place now and, and kind of tips for building a really effective executive team yeah i mean the the executive team of that BAM is relatively small, I think you would you would say. You know, David is still the owner of the business. He's not in it as much from day to day, but his drive and his ideas are still key to the way the business grows, um, especially around the sustainability side of things. I suppose what I've done is surrounded myself with a few more people. A lot of them were already in the business, to be fair, people that they've worked with or brought into the business, either as consultants or, you know, people who, who gave him the benefit and I brought some of those more formally into the business to create a sort of senior team and I think for me the getting them to collaborate so me being if you like the the facilitator of that great level of collaboration is is, is important um, obviously having people who are really skilled at what they do but not just skilled in terms of you know their their, their discipline but also having a team of people that, that probably approach problems or have a slightly different viewpoint of way of looking at things. Um, as I say, I can I can very easily be quite numerate and rational, and it's great to have other people who look at more the softer side of things, the the people skills, the passion, you know. And having people who have different personalities around that uh, that team is is great because you you can you can come to better conclusions if you've got different influences. Um, and I think one of the things that's really helped has been trying to pull that team together is to sort of make sure we've all got a clear vision of where we're going as a business, got some shared goals. And um, that's, you know, that's continuously being worked on and, and then helping them understand how their specific skill set and team can contribute to those goals. That is, you know, something that we've, I wouldn't say we're there yet. We're investing in that as part of the team, as part of the business growth. Again, COVID probably, spun us off a little bit in a slightly different direction um but i think as we had that environment we were able to respond to covid as we did um and from my personal thing is is not having egos around that around that team you know i try to say look you know we will succeed together and when there are failures we will accept those failures together we're not going to start finger pointing at other people and 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 making sure that we're truly working as a team as well as um, representing their own respective teams. It's one of those things, isn't it, that in when you're in a scaling up business, I mean, 15 years old, I don't know if it's probably rude to call you still scaling up, but I mean, you're growing fast. You have to be, don't you, as, as exec leaders, macro, micro, every day. And mm. that, if you're not careful manifests into egos doesn't it which is well i you know I, I rolled my sleeves up and i got you know distribution sorted out what, what are you doing in sales and that 
keeping that cohesion together is a lot about getting a nice a good blend of personalities isn't it not everybody mm -hmm. thinking the same getting that blend of personalities in the room and having people with different skills it's the sort of intellectually understood idea it must be in every book written on leadership teams and yet in practice can prove devilishly difficult to to create can't it because like often is attracted to like aren't they and so if you're not careful you suddenly end up with the same kinds of people in the same place it's uh it's an, it must be an ongoing challenge yeah it is um and i think as businesses get bigger and and you know teams get bigger it's it's you can you can maybe maintain that around a smaller executive or senior team but how do you then keep that culture within the business and we're certainly at that point in our growth now where we're established enough that people come and work for bamboo clothing because of who we are and what we stand for you know we've been through that you know they are the new dave personally or they knew someone in the team personally you know and so how you maintain that that sense of belonging to something that's more than just a business into new team members but also how your existing team members keep that that feeling of of commitment and passion for the business is is quite is quite tricky to do when when the business is growing at the pace that it is but yeah. it keeps it interesting it's never as i say never boring Let, let's talk a bit about the future then so um big changes on your horizon we're, we're recording sort of on the on the eve of cop i suspect by the time this goes out it may well be post cop you we know because we've been lucky enough to work with you on it have done incredible work in the last couple of years on your positive impact um as it is on the website i'd encourage all of our listeners to go and have a look at bam's positive impact report on their website it's a brilliant piece of work and a a director consumer business who's taken this incredibly seriously but what are the other big changes maybe it is in that area but what are the other big changes on your horizon right yeah i mean i think you know sustainability has always been part of the of dave's mission and bam's business ethos um to be fair we didn't really talk about it until probably two or three years ago because it wasn't we were still doing things behind the scenes but they're actually not telling that much of a story because you know, it, it wasn't of interest to anyone other than ourselves. Thankfully, that's changed. So now we can actually talk about it and people are interested and they understand it to a certain extent. I think now we have, you know, before we went and talked about it, working with yourselves, um, you know, we spent a lot of time just checking that what we were doing was right and how good was it and where were the gaps. And that has been a just a fantastic process um personally learning a huge amount um but also what it has done is shown what a mammoth task we as a business has got but we as a world have got to get this uh, get this right and uh, you know i think i would be the only one saying that you know time is not on our side we've waited too long to probably do anything and therefore the challenge is even greater so it will remain a core part of what BAM stands for, what it does. And just because we're ahead of the curve, I don't necessarily think that means our journey is going to become any easier. It's going to become more important if it could be more important. And there, now we've lifted the lid on it, we realise there's still a lot to do. And so, yeah, that for me is 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 one of the biggest changes. I think the other one for us, and not directly linked, but you know, BAM is still pretty much a UK business. And so... For me, I want to, you know, really start to take this business into a global uh, platform, you know, because there's no reason why what we stand for sustainability-wise, the products we make, the, what we can offer as a proposition and a brand and a product range, you know, that has global appeal. We know it does. It's just a matter of, um, 
you know, really putting some focus around it. So that for me is, is, you know, I want to make sure that within the next, you know, three years, we are truly a, let's say international business, you know, let's not maybe set ourselves the goal of being totally global, but, you know, international um, to a much greater extent than we currently are. Well, we have lots of listeners from um, around the world. So uh, go look at bamboo-clothing.co.uk and uh, let's let's get you a few more uh, international um, customers. The sustainability thing I find really interesting, um, the work that you've done, because as you say, you you started out 15 years ago. David started out the business focused on sustainability. And what I think is really interesting is despite that being your roots and your heritage, you still continue to double down on the analysis of yourselves are we being as sustainable as we possibly could be and you keep setting the bar higher and higher for yourself despite the fact that the very reason you exist is in order to make clothing uh, more sustainable in the world it's it's really really impressive um the, the stuff you guys do and, and I, I highly recommend it to anybody in any business just think the approach you've taken is is really great Listen, we're pretty short of um, time with you, I know. One last quick question. We have lots of people listening who maybe are thinking about being CEOs one day. Pretty much everybody who listens has to deal with CEOs um, from uh, time to time. Um, But three quick last tips, if you've got them, for anybody who aspires to be a CEO in the future. Yeah, and I think um, I'm danger of repeating myself on some of the other ones, but I think the CEO might be at the top of the business, but you know, they don't have to make every decision and and do every role. Um, so it's about surrounding yourself with a good good team of people and making sure that you listen to them uh, and, and making sure that, like I said, there's a mix of personalities and the way people approach the way they work. I think that's important. Um, couple, the couple with that is, you know, trust them. Don't do everyone's job for them. You know, they should be better skilled at doing their job than you are. But that doesn't mean to say you shouldn't ask questions and 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 learn. You know, the more you can learn, the better you can help them. Um, but then counter to that, I would say at some point you have to be able to trust your own instinct. And I know more often than not, when I haven't, it's proven to be the wrong thing. And when I've been dissuaded away from trusting that instinct, it can sometimes be difficult to do that. Um, but yeah, those would be my three tips, I think. Well, Ryan, thank you very, very much. Those are uh, great tips that we will add to the library of tips that we've uh, been getting from CEOs. It's I really enjoy recording these podcasts because everybody's backgrounds are different and the way that people come to this role and then their experience of the role is very different from you know FTSE 100 businesses through mm. to fast growth direct to consumer founder still involved type businesses and your your story is just great and the mission that you guys are on at Bamboo Clothing we are as you know massive enthusiasts for it's my go-to t-shirt my BAM t-shirt it's the most comfortable I don't know what it is but just so comfy maybe it's my age I just want comfy t-shirts <laughs> now but anyway <laughs> it, yeah, well it's great to talk to you thanks for being with us today and uh, we shall talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Cheers, Matt. Becoming the CEO of a business you didn't found, when the founder is still there, and when you're a former founder yourself, sounds like it could just have disaster written all over it, and yet. As we've just heard from Ryan, when your purpose as an organisation is clear, And when you work together brilliantly as a team, truly great things happen, as is the case for BAM. Having a pandemic land just 10 minutes after starting clearly wasn't an enormous help, 
but you can hear in Ryan's voice, can't you, the passion and excitement he has for supporting a team that have grown the business considerably, despite the very obvious headwinds of the last 18 months or so. Loved Ryan's habit of book ending the beginning and end of the day, and of course of building teams of diverse and complementary personalities. Building your own identity as a CEO is another evergreen subject that also can't be repeated often enough. Thanks so much, Ryan. I'm off to buy some more bamboo socks. And while I'm doing that, maybe you could subscribe if you haven't yet or give us a rating if you're feeling like we're worth it. Looking forward to welcoming you to the very next episode of Meet the CEO.